0: Pastor Madison, for that. Listen, I know that every one of you were so engaged with those announcement videos that if there was a pop quiz right now, you would be able to answer any question that would come from that. But just in case there was somebody who wasn't paying attention, I'm gonna ask that you would pay attention for two announcements right now. Number one, on Saturday, we will have two identical Christmas Eve services at 3 and at 4:30 at 3 and at 4.30 on Saturday will be our Christmas Eve services. What time will our Christmas Eve services be on Saturday? Perfect. There are invite cards on your chair. Make sure that you take them, invite your friends, families, neighbors. Secondly, and this is really, really important, Christmas Day, we will not have an 8.30 and a 10.15 service. Instead, we will have one service at 10 a.m. If you show up at 10.15, you will be late, okay? You don't want to be late. On Sunday, we will have one service on Christmas Day at what time? Oh, y'all are so smart. I love it. So congratulations. So again, Christmas Eve, you don't want to miss it. Christmas Day will be different than Christmas Eve, and we'll look forward to seeing you uh, at at both of those or whatever uh, your family schedule's Permit Last week was absolutely phenomenal with the Christmas production. Can we give God praise for it? There were over 1,200 people that came through our doors last weekend for that deal, which is just absolutely amazing. A number of people gave their hearts to Jesus and so grateful for the talent that we have in our church and people using those talents for the glory of God. And to everyone who was a part of it, uh, there are so many of you, well over 100 people, too many to name, but do want to say thank you uh, for every role, for every person, for everyone's involvement in that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This morning, we're going to wrap up our Advent series called Among Us. This season on the global church calendar is called Advent, and Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, and it means arrival or appearance. Advent is the season that we celebrate Jesus's arrival or appearance in the flesh in this world, and it's something that's absolutely worth celebrating. During the past few weeks, we've been celebrating and anticipating the moment in time when God arrived and appeared in the flesh. In this series, we've looked at both the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we talked about the incarnation of Jesus, which is a big word for God put on flesh and entered the world. We talked about that the reason why he did this is because God's love for you and because you matter to him. Today, we're going to see that Christmas is a time to remember the greatness of Christ, Jesus is better than anything you're going to receive this Christmas season. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is better than anything you're going to receive this Christmas season. How many of you have ever seen the movie Elf by Will Ferrell? Okay. So in it, Will Ferrell plays this human who's been raised by elves at the North Pole. He eventually gets to go to New York and, and look for his human father. And as a human raised by elves, he has this strong affection and this loyalty and love for Santa Claus. And he ends up working at this department store in the toy department, and he hears that Santa is gonna come all the way from the North Pole to, the, to New York the very next day. And so he stay, this elf, Buddy the Elf, stays up all night putting up this elaborate display and decorations that you can imagine. And when he spots Santa... He starts jumping up and down until he gets a closer look and realizes that it's not Santa. Imagine that. Instead, it's just somebody dressed like him. Buddy's actions aren't so different from ours this time of year. How many of us go over the top in links of our decorations or plans or shopping for the holidays? How many of us are filled with the same excitement and wonder for something that ends up being a stand-in for the real thing? We're exactly one week away from Christmas Day. The first part of John chapter 1 has two major characters, Jesus and John the Baptist. We've spent the past few weeks primarily talking about Jesus, but today we're going to look a little more deeply at what John the Baptist had to say about Jesus. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse number 19 this morning. John chapter 1, verse number 19. It's also going to appear on the screen. Here's what it says. And this is the testimony of John. He said, I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word, for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. John the Baptist was clear on who he was and who he was not. He said he himself is not The Messiah. He had self-awareness. When asked further, he said, I'm also not Elijah the prophet. He didn't want to take any credit for what he was not. And they said, well, if you're not Jesus and you're not Elijah the prophet, then who are you? And he says, I'm the one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. His whole existence is summed up in this one statement, that I'm here in the world to get people ready for Jesus. What a statement of purpose. For those of you who are like, oh, if I could only have a personal mission statement or a personal vision statement for my life, can I propose to you that this is a pretty fantastic one right here. When somebody says, who are you? I'm Jonathan Bartholo, and I'm just a messenger here to get people ready to meet Jesus. John was a famous person at the time. The whole conversation is predicated on the fact that the authorities in Jerusalem have heard of him and they need to know who he is and what, what he's doing. This could have been his five minutes of fame, but he immediately points out that I'm no one. I'm just the messenger for the coming Messiah. We need more of this. In a day and age where people want to be famous or be influencers, we just need some more faithful people who will be faithful to the assignment that God has given to them and with humility say, Me? Me? I'm just a messenger for Jesus. For decades, our family has gathered together at some point to celebrate Christmas. And you say, decades, yes, we're old, you know. So that's what happens over time. Decades pass. For decades, we have gathered together as families for Christmas. And I'll tell you that when presents are divvied up to each person from under the tree at my mom's house, when, when they're passed around not one time in all of these years, Have I heard anybody say, no, I don't want that wrapped present? Not one child has ever said, that package is too big. Why don't somebody else take it? Not one time has my wife looked at an envelope from one of our family members and said, oh, me, no, I couldn't possibly open that gift and take that gift. Let me give it to you. Right? Not one time in all of our Christmas celebrations has somebody rejected a wrapped package and said, I don't want that. I've never had to beg my nieces or my nephews, or for that matter, anybody to open a present from me. Not one time. And I think there are several dynamics to this. First, there's a relationship. At a party, you're there at the invitation of another, Someone has leveraged their influence to invite you or you've leveraged your influence to invite them and so there's relationship. And so I think about the first Christmas that I had at my in-laws' house. My wife is still looking at me weird. She's a very generous person, right? But she'll open the present and then share with it. But, you know, so there, is that better? Are we okay now? I don't wanna be in the doghouse when we get home. The very first time I met my in-laws was in the Christmas season. And so Erica invites me to their parents ho- her parents' house in Topeka, and that was a lot of pressure. And they are, they were, and they are great. They're fantastic people. But I was invited to their home by their daughter who leveraged her influence. And so let me state the obvious. The only reason why I had an invitation into their house was because of Erica. Without her, there would have been no invitation, right? There was a relationship that was there. The second reason why I've never had to beg one of my nieces or nephews or anybody in my family to open presents, number one, is because there's relationship. Secondly, because there's love. At some level, each person who's giving a gift or receiving one is because of the love that they have for the other, and that's why they're receiving or giving the gift. And because of love, then there's gonna be something in that gift that the other person will like or need. And so you have relationship, and you have love, and the final thing is trust. And we're at the point with both sets of our parents that, and we have been for some time, that at Christmas time we receive an envelope with a little something in it, and it never disappoints. Money, for those of you who don't get envelopes (laughs) with money, okay? And it doesn't disappoint when you open it. And not one time have I had to say to my wife, hey, don't open that because it might have money and anthrax in it. I'm not suspect of ending up on the next Dateline episode because my in-laws poisoned me with a Christmas card, right? There's relationship and there's love and there's trust. These three areas lead to people accepting and maybe even giving gifts. So how do we help someone receive the gift of Christ? You can't force them to believe. You can't save them. What can you do? You can do what John the Baptist did in verse number 29 and you can point them to the one who takes away the sin of the world. When is someone most likely to receive the gift from God that you're talking about? When you have relationship with them, when you love them, and when there's trust. And so as you point them towards Jesus and you leverage your relationship you have to enter, that you have to introduce them to the Savior, It's powerful. When you share genuine love for the person and they with you and you share the gospel with them, they know it's coming from a place of love. And finally, when you've demonstrated that you're trustworthy, when they know you and can see that Jesus has transformed your life, why wouldn't they want to receive that gift? I'm not trying to oversimplify it this morning. Obviously, we do our part and the Holy Spirit does his part of drawing all men to himself. But I want to encourage us this morning in this season and in all seasons, let's do our part let's point people towards jesus later in john chapter 1 john records an encounter with jesus and philip and nathaniel verse number 43 it says the next day jesus decided to go to galilee he found philip and said to him follow me now philip was from bethsaida the city of andrew and peter philip found nathaniel and said to him we have found him of whom moses in the law and also the prophets wrote "'Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. "'Nathanael said to him, "'Can anything good come out of Nazareth? "'Philip said to him, "'Come and see. "'Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him "'and said of him, "'Behold, an Israelite indeed, "'in whom there's no deceit. "'Nathanael said to him, "'How do you know me? "'Jesus answered him, "'Before Philip called you, "'when you were under the fig tree, "'I saw you. "'Nathanael answered him, "'Rabbi, you are the son of God.' you are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. In verse number 45, Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, we have found the one that Moses talked about in the law. The prophets talked about this Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found him. Do you realize how big this is? For hundreds of years, people have been anticipating what has been prophesied. They waited for this moment. And now Philip is telling Nathanael that the moment that you have waited for is finally here. We have found Jesus. In a much smaller way, for those of you who have ever tried to purchase a home in Waverly, maybe even for those of you, especially in the past couple of years, you've waited and anticipated, and some of you have been let down, and you've been crushed along the way. And then the realtor comes to you and says, we have found the right house for you. You make an offer on it. The offer is accepted. And you close on the house. And you're like, thank you, God. The day that we set out for is finally here. And now you own the house and you're in it. The incarnation of Jesus is much bigger than that event. It's much bigger than that. And Philip says to Nathaniel, we have found him. He's finally here. The one that they talked about in the law, the one that they talked about in the prophets, Jesus of Nazareth is here. Nathanael doesn't share Philip's excitement. He's skeptical. What was his response? His response was this. Has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? Has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? And watch this. Philip didn't stand there and argue with him. He didn't rebuke him for his prejudice and his ignorance. He knew that he just needed to get him to Jesus. And if he got him to Jesus, Jesus would do the rest. And so Philip gave this response to Nathaniel: Three whopping words. Come and see. Come and see. And so Philip goes with Nathaniel. And they encounter Jesus on the road. And Jesus doesn't say to Nathanael, What is your name? Who are you? Where are you coming from? How are you? Any of this. And said, Look at what the word of God tells us in verse number 47. The first thing that Jesus says to this man that he's never met is Nathanael, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there's no deceit. Nathanael's blown away that Jesus would know his name and know his character. And he says to Jesus, how do you know me? Remember, Nathanael was skeptical, right? How could anything good come out of Nazareth? Now Jesus is interacting with him, and these walls that he's built up are, are crumbling down, and Jesus tells him. He says, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Now remember what Jesus said when he first encounters him. Behold, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And it makes me wonder what in the world was going on in Nathanael underneath that fig tree. What was he wrestling with internally for that statement to mean so much to him? He knew that in that moment that Jesus, had, that he had been deeply seen by Jesus. And in that moment, the skepticism leaves. Nathanael immediately answered him and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said to him, you think that's something? You think that's something just that I saw you under the fig tree? You're going to see even greater things. And in verse number 51, he takes Nathaniel back almost 2,000 years to the time of Jacob. And he says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And to know the meaning of this Verse. it's important to look at the context and the context is this that Jacob has just stolen his birthright from Esau he was low down and dirty he had deceived his father Jacob loved spiritual things because of the fear of Esau Jacob was fleeing for his life and at this point in the story the only person that loves him is his mama and he left suddenly to flee his brother's wrath and he didn't plan very well He traveled 43 miles across the wilderness in his first day. Imagine how physically and emotionally exhausted you would be after all of this. He felt wretched and alone without a friend in the world. And even in his tremendous loneliness out in the wilderness, God loved him as low down as he was. Fully exhausted in Genesis chapter 28, it records that Jacob grabbed a rock for a pillow and went to sleep. How many know you've got to be pretty drained to grab a rock? as a pillow and fall asleep. In that same chapter of Genesis 28, Jacob has this dream that there's a ladder that stretches from the earth to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. In verse 13, he said the Lord stood above it and made a promise to Jacob. He wakes up in verse number 16 and he says these startling words. He said, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't even know it. In verse 17, he says, and I was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. We don't have to have a ladder to try to reach from earth to heaven. We don't have to do as they did in building the tower of Babel to build a tower to heaven. The Messiah has come to us. The incarnation is about the Son of God coming to us. What a terrifying phrase that, that Jacob said that the Lord is in this place and he didn't even know it. I wonder for how many of you in this place today or watching online are in a similar situation where the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit is present and you don't even know it. the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It's holiday season. Let's not lose sight of the fact that the greatest gift available to us is Jesus. And through Jesus, we experience grace after grace. Think of the most picturesque Christmas scene you can think of. And Jesus says, even greater things than these you will see. I'll tell you the most picturesque Christmas scene that I've seen in a long time was in Antigua, Guatemala on Thursday, on Wednesday, before we called our flight. There was a beautiful Christmas tree, and the weather had to be at least 70 degrees. There was no snow on the ground, no ice in the streets. Instead, just sheer sunshine and Christmas lights. What a beautiful, beautiful Christmas scene that I saw on Wednesday. And Jesus says, you'll see even greater things. And some of you are like, that sounds miserable miserable. I want a white Christmas. Well, that sounds miserable, but Jesus says even greater things will we see. Think of the most peaceful snow-covered Christmas village, and Jesus says even greater things you'll see. Think of the look on the kids faces as they come down the stairs and see the decorated tree and begin to open the presents and jesus says even greater things than these that you'll see think of the waverly light parade or the christmas on Main. and jesus says even greater things you'll see think about the christmas goodies you make or the christmas movies that you'll watch and jesus says you'll see even greater things than these there is nothing that compares to the greatness of knowing jesus Jesus told Nathaniel that he would see even greater things. The day that I was preparing this message, I went to a business in a different town. And when I walked in, there was an employee that was tearing up. And I jokingly said to the person who doesn't come to our church, but who I feel like I have a relationship with, I said, I had no idea that coming in today would make you cry. And honestly, I thought what had happened is that she had stepped outside where it was cold and that her eyes were tearing up because of the cold weather outside. As I stood there, I realized that that wasn't the case. And I asked if everything was okay, and it started a conversation. And in the midst of this conversation, she said to me, I believe in God. And at one time in my life when I would pray, I felt like God heard me. And that he listened. But right now, I don't know that he does. She said, when I pray, I feel like God's not hearing me. I don't think y'all are ready for what I told her. I really don't. I said, you know what's interesting? Is I just got through studying a passage for a message that I'm going to preach two weeks from now. And let me tell you what happened in that passage. There's this man named Philip who goes to this man, Nathanael, and he says, Jesus, the one that Moses talked about in the law, the one the prophets talked about, the one from Nazareth, he's here. And Nathanael responded with a skeptical response. And he said, how could anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip says to Nathanael, come and see. And on the road, as they're going to meet Jesus, Jesus comes up to them, and he doesn't ask his name. He doesn't ask his story. Instead, he looks at him, and he says, Nathanael, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And Nathanael says to Jesus, How do you know me? And Jesus said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. I said, I don't think it's a coincidence that this is the passage that I would read and that God has sent me to your place of business today to tell you that he sees you under the fig tree. He knows your voice. He's still listening. Don't give up. Don't quit praying. Through tears, she looks at me and she goes, oh, that was cool. How many more people? Just need to hear the words that God sees them. And you could be the proverbial John the Baptist in the wilderness making the way straight for the Messiah. I believe that God has sent me this morning as a messenger like John the Baptist to get you ready for Jesus. And so you might be in a situation like Nathaniel, you might be skeptical. Others of you might be at a place where you're sitting under the fig tree and, and you're like, I don't know if God even knows that I exist anymore, that whether he hears me when I pray or if he even cares. Others might be like Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 where you're at the lowest of the lows. And at the conclusion of this Advent series, God has sent me to tell you that you matter to God. That the reason why he went through all that he went through was because of his love for humanity and because of his love for you. You matter to him. So no matter how hard you've tried, you can't outrun his grace. You haven't disappeared into obscurity. He still sees you. He hears your voice and he wants a relationship with you. And I ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior and you say, today I want to become a follower of him. I want to leave my lifestyle of sin and I want to be set free and walk in the freedom that Christ has for me. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God but you've turned your back on him and today you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him when I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, I see that hand, two hands up. You can put it down, are there others this morning? Let's stand all across this room. There were at least two hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time, or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer, and if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. Know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray, say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning, I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my Savior. Be my King. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. You raise your hand. We did I'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319 250 8998. We would encourage you along in the decision that you've made and the journey that God wants to take you on. Again, if you'll text the word yes to 319 250 8998, we leave time at the end of each of our services for the prayer team to make their way to the front on both sides. And for those of you who've come here today just needing prayer for anything to receive prayer, just a moment, the worship team's going to lead us in another song. Again, the prayer team will be at both sides of the stage here. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. Let me pray over us, and then we'll move forward with that. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the message that you've given to us for this day. God, I pray for those who are in a situation like Nathaniel where they wonder if you even hear them or you know who they are anymore that today that they would hear those words loud and clear that you know them that you love them Lord I pray for people who are like Jacob in, in Genesis at the lowest of the low that today even before the service ends that that they would come running back to you and surrender their life to you. God, we ask that over this next week as we extend invitations to people, to the Christmas Eve service, to services, to the Christmas Day service, that it would fall upon hungry ears and warm hearts. And that as we gather this next weekend to celebrate the incarnation of Jesus, That we would see a new birth, a spiritual birth, where people would experience new life in you as a result of the gospel going out. And so, Lord, this week, prepare our hearts as we gather with family and friends. Would you give us prophetic words, words that would encourage and build up our family members and our friends? Would you give us spiritually significant moments? where we would sense and feel the presence and the power of your spirit working with us, even in the ordinary interactions and the gatherings that we have this holiday season. We ask that your presence and your power would go with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.